Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is an interesting report out there in kind of the social media sphere, which I think is probably worth our attention here on the program to kick things off today. And we'll talk about a little bit about what I think it might potentially mean for UGA. Now, there's a chance all of this just means nothing, of course. But if we want to speculate for a moment about what it could mean, I think it kind of sets us up for the sort of the next phase of the conversation we have been having about the future of Dylan Riola, the future of Georgia, perhaps without Dylan Riola, the future of Carson Beck, perhaps still at Georgia for 2024. All of that have kind of been the hot topics here this week. And kind of an interesting wrinkle on all of this comes from a man called Adam Gorney, who reports for Rivals.com. Gorney putting this out there yesterday, and perhaps you sort of saw this news. Malik Murphy has been a, re- a really good quarterback for Texas, uh, the backup quarterback. Murphy is going into the transfer portal. And what Adam Gorney reports is, since news broke that Malik Murphy was leaving Texas for the transfer portal, uh, Gorney says these, show, these schools have shown interest. Georgia, UCLA, LSU, Syracuse, and Rye. So to me, you know, it's, it's always interesting about how you consume the news, how you read the news. To me, the more specific the report is, the more likely I am to believe it. And I'd say this is a pretty specific piece of reporting. It's what, five schools kind of mentioned in order there, Georgia, UCLA, LSU, Syracuse, and Rice, that this is obviously not being sort of pulled out of the ether, made up from whole cloth. This is clearly coming from somewhere, perhaps even a uh, source close to Murphy, if it's those specific schools who would you know make up Rice and <laughs> something like that i mean this sort of has obviously the the whiff of credibility here and it's very interesting to hear georgia being mentioned in all of this and if you're a georgia fan you're left to conclude a couple of things or you left to ask perhaps a couple of things first of all why is georgia interested in malik murphy we'll get more into that in a moment and exactly at least for those who perhaps don't follow all this stuff maybe don't they don't have time to as closely as others do well, exactly who is Malik Murphy and, and why would Georgia be so interested in Murphy? The Murphy story is kind of interesting here because you know, he goes in the transfer portal yesterday and the kind of the big national story related to this was is that he's actually not going to be with his team for the college football playoff. And he expressed some frustration about that and some disappointment from a timing standpoint to be ready to go for his new team. He's got to kind of be out there on the open market, can't be with Texas for this. And that's obviously a concern for those of us who love college football that all of a sudden now, even if it's not a starter level player, you're kind of getting to the idea of the of the opt out from the college football playoff. We've had opt outs for, you know, the sort of what you would view as lesser important bowls for quite some time. And now there's discussion of opt out from the college football playoff as, as it relates to Murphy, whether he be a starter or not. I just hate that. I, I hate that that's the direction that college football might be moving. I probably blame the college football calendar for this more so than I would actually blame Murphy uh, in, in particular. And it seems like most of the prominent voices sort of view this the same way that right now, of all the problems that college football has, we have the most crazy, erratic, like impossible to, to, to kind of keep up with calendar in place where we do so much in December that ought to be stretched out over the course of months. We probably do a lot of this stuff in the wrong order there as well that all of this just feels pretty 
problematic. And that's probably the thing that cost Murphy his chance to play for Texas in the college football playoff, more so than some sort of selfishness about, oh, how could you be thinking about yourself as opposed to your team? When it comes to your future as a football player, how could you not be thinking at least somewhat about uh, yourself in a situation like that? So I'm not quite so sure I necessarily blame Murphy. But then beyond that, this was a guy that was Texas's backup quarterback here this season. When Quinn Ewers was injured, it was Murphy who stepped in and played. What that means is, is that Murphy, back during spring practice, actually beat out Arch Manning. So if Murphy's not someone who's incredibly famous to everyone watching or listening to us right now, Arch Manning probably is someone who's famous to most of our audience. And Murphy had a better spring than Manning did, earning the right to be the number two quarterback behind Quinn Ewers here this year, kind of forcing Arch Manning to be that number three quarterback. In fact, Malik Murphy was so good back during Texas spring practice, there was some thought that he could be a very attractive target in the transfer portal had he left during spring. But he didn't. Texas was able to hold on to him, and I'm sure they were probably glad they had him because he did play you know, a couple of starts here this year while Quinn Ewers was getting hurt. So Murphy is a pretty good prospect. Going back to the class of 2022, he's actually a higher-rated quarterback from a national perspective coming out of high school than Carson Beck even was. Uh, Beck was sort of slightly outside the top 250 uh, as an overall prospect. Murphy was kind of inside the top 200s. That's a pretty big, you know, quarterback prospect, although admittedly Beck did rank higher in just the position of quarterbacks. But from a national ranking as a just overall recruit standpoint, uh, Malik Murphy is a pretty big time prospect, as you would assume any Texas quarterback possibly would be. And then to kind of put a finer point on this, there has been some reporting not related to Georgia, but just related to like Murphy's presence in the transfer portal, like what kind of guy this could be. The Athletic, you know, getting a quote from an anonymous Big 12 coach about what they saw in Malik Murphy to kind of give a little bit of a larger perspective about what he kind of brings into the transfer portal. This anonymous Big 12 coach telling the Athletic about Malik Murphy we loved him he has a lot of arm talent his velocity is super high level he is a plus athlete and that's an important thing to understand because Murphy didn't run a ton at Texas but he is considered to be a pretty athletic quarterback despite the fact that he hasn't you know run very much thus far in his career he says I think he's a good kid he was just so raw and and inexperienced and was really only a one-year starter in high school He's as talented as anybody. Someone is going to pay him big money. This is an anonymous Big 12 coach talking about the value that Malik Murphy could perhaps have in the transfer portal. And you've got Adam Gorney from Rival saying one of the schools that's interested in kind of kicking the tires on that value is apparently Georgia. So there you go. That's who Malik Murphy is. Pretty interesting prospect. A guy that started some for Texas, generated buzz back during the spring. And earned some pretty interesting praise from a uh, anonymous Big 12 coach there quoted by The Athletic. So that's who Murphy is. Now, the next question all of this is, how come George is interested here? What does this mean? What's going on here as it relates to uh, Malik Murphy? And this is where I think we kind of circle back on the two hot topics of the last few days. It's the ongoing saga of will Carson Beck return to Georgia in 2024 and the very recent phenomenon of the strong possibility that Dylan Riola is going to flip his commitment from Georgia, go to Nebraska after taking an official visit there this upcoming weekend. Now, listen, when it comes to evaluating stuff like this, your mileage may vary, but here's what I'm here to tell you. First of all, who knows if Georgia really is one of the leaders for Malik Murphy you know there's one thing to say I've been contacted by Georgia it's another thing to say that Georgia really is ready to kind of go to the you know full you know extent of 
trying to win a recruiting battle for a guy like Murphy on that you know there's miles to go in terms of what it would really take for Georgia to secure a guy like Murphy and you know perhaps contact hey how you doing what's going on and actually taking to the next step of here's what we're willing to do to sort of secure your spot on our roster those are perhaps two very different things but putting that aside here for a moment if Georgia really was in pursuit of Murphy as uh, someone from Rivals said that they were what is that about why are they doing this and I would suggest that my read on this and as I said a moment ago your mileage may vary your interpretation may be different than mine but uh, this is my interpretation I think this speaks a lot less to what's going on with Carson Beck as it does what's going on with Dylan Riola. I think if Georgia really is out there in pursuit of Malik Murphy I think that should be probably taken as something close to confirmation that Georgia really does believe it's about to lose Dylan Raiola in Nebraska they probably are Uh, that seems to be the prevailing online chatter here right now and the pursuit of Murphy I think would almost be taken in my eyes and in my mind as confirmation of that and less so about Carson Beck now you've heard me say a lot when it comes to Beck until he officially announces that he's returning to Georgia it's obviously a little bit of a incomplete circle right it's a little bit of an unresolved tension and an unresolved issue and that Beck could make all of this go away right now by saying hey run it back for 2024 we're ready to go here we're coming back to UGA he clearly could end all this speculation right now if he wanted to and the fact that he is not or at least up to this point in time he hasn't that's got to at least mean something now if you go back and read what Jeff Sintel wrote at dognation.com earlier this week talking to sources close to back what it means according to the plain text language at dognation.com is is that right now back does not know and I'll tell you to me that makes some sense because if you really are the kind of guy who as we've said before to begin his season as the Georgia starting quarterback I don't know how many people truly had Carson Beck on their radar I'm talking about NFL draft scouts or keen observers of college football things like that he was sort of the next guy in line to be the Georgia starting quarterback but beyond the bubble of dog nation I'm not quite so sure how many people really knew what Beck was really bringing to the table and after the first couple of games here this year I think that kind of mysterious status of what exactly is Carson Beck really I think that was probably you know furthered by the fact that he was kind of only playing okay perhaps to begin his career had a very good second half against Auburn that seemed to grow his confidence and for the rest of the year Beck played like one of the very best quarterbacks in all of college football so much so that it seems like there's a much different NFL draft conversation happening around him right now than there certainly was to begin this season here at UGA and so if you're listening or if you hear whispers of all of these people saying well gosh we have a lot higher evaluation of Carson Beck now than we used to if you're back it does stand to reason that you would want to find out as much about that as you possibly could you know am I I don't want to say guaranteed because nothing's guaranteed but you know am I close to guaranteed to perhaps being a second round pick because if he is that's a good bit of money is there some chance faint hope I could slip into the uh back into the first round perhaps in a year like this if that be the case that's the kind of generational wealth that no one would turn down but if I'm slipping to the mid-round, third, fourth, or perhaps even fifth round, something along those lines, well, at that point in time, it'd be a pretty unwise decision, I would say, to go do that when you have a chance to come back to a place like Georgia and kind of further your legacy on the field with UGA, but also kind of add to your accolades and credentials for your NFL future. It would seem more wise to do something like that. 
So taking a little bit of time to figure all of that out has sort of, to me, always made a little bit of sense. And anyone who I think has kind of tried to make this into something nefarious or somehow this is some sort of like sinister thing Beck is doing by dragging this out, frankly, I think that borders on slander, to be completely honest with you. I've never seen anything negative in the process, at least as I understand it. I've never seen anything negative in the process that Beck seems to be going through here right now. But then beyond that, there's this. And I realize what I'm about to say is not proof of anything, but it is, I think, an important data point in a discussion when we don't quite fully exactly know where all this is heading yet. Would you join me in saying that while nothing that has gone on that I'm about to describe is definitive proof of anything, it sort of all adds up to be a pretty substantial piece of circumstantial evidence, right? You know, Dylan Riola allegedly flipping to nebraska while that doesn't confirm that carson beck's coming back it is circumstantial evidence that would lead you to believe that he might be uh because if beck was leaving you would think that georgia would be slightly more attractive to a guy like riola could perhaps be a freshman starter kirby smarts had freshman starters before if beck wasn't coming back presumably georgia might be a little bit more attractive to a guy like riola riola going to nebraska if that's what he does doesn't prove that beck is coming back but circumstantially it seems to make some sense the same thing for uh, Brock Vandergrift going to Kentucky. Uh, we've had folks around here kind of try to make it clear that the Vandergrift decision was made independently of Beck, which is perhaps true. I'd certainly take Vandergrift at his word if that's what he said was true. But once again, circumstantially, the backup quarterback this year going somewhere else, a lesser SEC program, which leads you to believe that at least circumstantially, it's a possibility that Carson Beck comes back. In addition to that, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there about London Humphreys, a transfer wide receiver who actually ranks pretty high on the list of available transfers if you follow some of the national websites things like that a a freshman all sec player for the uh, commodores here this year there's growing chatter that humphreys wants to come to georgia and perhaps we could hear news about that sooner rather than later for a wide receiver like this who's got lots of options would he be wanting to come to georgia if that's indeed what he wants would he be wanting to come to georgia if there was a really good chance that carson beck was not going to be here once again it's not proof of anything, but it's certainly circumstantial evidence that would lead you to believe uh, that that back is certainly more likely to return than not. And then I'll add to that one more thing. Jeff Sintel's reporting from earlier this week that Carson Beck went through bowl practice with Georgia to begin the week here. If you're on your way to the NFL or if you're holding out or whatever you know phrase somebody wants to use, uh, then are you going through practice? Because in the NFL, that's not typically how that kind of stuff is uh, is, is done necessarily. So when it comes to participating in practice reportedly uh transfer wide receiver interested in uga allegedly you know the other quarterback news that's gone on of quarterbacks perhaps connected to georgia now looking elsewhere i would say circumstantially it sort of leads you to believe uh, more likely than not uh carson beck is probably returning so if you see the malik murphy report out there georgia looking at a transfer quarterback and you connect the dot well that must mean they're really worried about losing carson back I would suggest that's probably the wrong connection to make. I would suggest this probably speaks a little bit more to possible validation that they really do think uh, they're going to lose uh, Dylan Riola and they want another quarterback perhaps in this roster that has some pretty good accolades and himself would kind of perhaps be a pretty promising prospect, which I'll tell you, that's exactly what Malik Murphy sounds like to me. A guy who started at Texas, working with a sharp offensive mind like Steve Sarkeesian. If you could put this guy into the quarterback mix for UGA to be this year's back or next year's backup or some starter in some future year, I'd say Georgia probably gets better in the process. And perhaps a trade 
from Dylan Riola to Malik Murphy, if that's indeed what the swap would have allegedly be. I don't think that's a bad deal for Georgia. This is certainly a story worth watching. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. We're happy to have you with us, no matter how you get today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. Uh, after that, across all video platforms, radio, app, and sports radio, 960, rep, podcast, wherever you find them, we are just so happy to have you with us on the uh, program today. And we're so thankful to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make the show possible for you there as well. Your source for Georgia divorce. And we've been using that tagline for Meriwether and Tharp for a long time. And it's important to know that phrase now means more than it ever has before. Because Meriwether and Tharp, who has been serving people in a time of need here in the Atlanta area for a long time, has now kind of broadened their horizons even more. The level of service and care that they show to people in a time it's about as challenging as anything you'll ever deal with. They want to show that to folks all across the state of Georgia now. That's why you're going to be hearing me talk a lot in the future about brand new offices opening in Savannah, brand new offices opening in Athens. You know, these towns outside of Atlanta kind of becoming also a hub for Meriwether and Tharp to provide care and, and service to people who go through the divorce process. They are the same way they have in the Atlanta area for such a long time. That's why they've got a brand new website to tell you about there as well. It's georgiadivorceteam.com. That is georgiadivorceteam.com. And the one thing almost everybody understands when it comes to the divorce process is there's an element of this that costs you something. There's an element of this that, that you know, there, there's a financial component to all of this. In fact, going through the divorce process and kind of making sense of that financial component is a very important, I think, part of all of this. But also it's the process itself of how much that costs you. And there's some cost certainty that people want when it comes to that divorce process. Meriwether and Tharp has listened to their clients over the course of years, and they've now kind of shaped some of their representation options for you to reflect the fact that people do want a certain degree of cost certainty when it comes to this kind of stuff. That's why they offer like a DIY option now that can be for you as low as $99 or what they call the M&T assisted model, which can be as low as $1,749 or the model M&T brand of service, which I think is probably the most popular they have now, which kind of includes like either a subscription-based uh you know, option where you kind of pay per month as the divorce process continues, or if you want kind of like that flat rate to begin things, get a chance to to do all of that there as well. And if you want more traditional coverage, you can get that there too. It's one of the ways in which Meriwether and Thought Press to listen to people, their experiences going through the divorce process and how that can shape the way in which they serve people in the future. That's why if you even think this is an option for you, I want you to check them out online, georgiadivorceteam.com. That is georgiadivorceteam.com, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we are going to talk to Terrence Edwards here in a moment. Terrence Edwards is a very happy man today. Some of you know why. We'll talk all of you um, more about that here coming up in just a moment. Also, yesterday was a very weird day for the future of college athletics. And the University of, Pre- or University of Georgia President Jerry Moorhead has sort of spoken out about this. And so before we're done, we're going to spend a little bit of time covering some of that what I think this could mean, and some big questions I think that need to be asked about some of this kind of stuff. We'll do that here coming up in just a little bit. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. Now, I said this to some of our video audience before today's show started. I typically think of the SEC as being pretty savvy. Obviously, they have a very passionate fan base. The SEC, I would say, is typically pretty good at kind of like cultivating that sort of passion to its fever pitch level sec is just usually pretty good at all of that 
I thought the way in which the SEC revealed the 2024 schedule was, to be honest with you, kind of strange because we're like a week ahead of Christmas or at least a few days ahead of Christmas. We're like a couple of days prior to National Signing Day. We got transfer portal stuff all over the place, NIL rumors beyond what our brains can comprehend. And in the midst of all of that, you know, after a heated playoff debate and all that kind of stuff, now it's we're going to drop the schedule right here in the middle of a Wednesday night. Like who can keep up with all this stuff right now? This is, this is I mean, like some of y'all have greater bandwidth and capacity than I do. I understand that, but this is almost more than my brain can comprehend. And especially since the fact, and, and credit to our friends at the Atlanta Journal Constitution who had this, but um, the schedule like leaked last week anyway. And so what came out last night was only confirmation of the, what the previous leak had been. So you know, from that standpoint, you know, it's kind of taking the air out of the balloon anyway but now we do have official dates which are exactly what we sort of thought they were before we even have a game time for the georgia alabama game but the georgia schedule for next year is now official and complete and you kind of know most of this already high profile game to begin the season atlanta against clemson uh, at kentucky on september 14th that's obviously presumably brock vandegrift as the starting quarterback september 28th at alabama we now know a game time there for that 7 30 p.m as i told you yesterday the thought here perhaps is maybe more of these like big time SEC showdowns may take place now in prime time. In previous years, CBS had the first pick of the best games. They wanted those games at 3.30. And so now with CBS out of the picture, something we're not too happy about, but nonetheless, with CBS out of the picture, now there's the thought that, hey, that might open the door for a little more big time night games for the folks who like that. You've obviously got to act Texas on uh, October 19th. We've talked before about the real just oddball situation the fact they've crammed this into the you know formula one american grand prix race there in austin i think georgia fans are justifiably not too happy about that uh we'll obviously deal more about that as you get close to time and then you know november is tough i mean you know it's it goes at texas florida then it's at ole miss and then tennessee uh to kind of conclude the sec stuff here so let me give you a couple of quick thoughts here and then we're going to move on we'll talk to terrence edwards here in a moment if you said, okay, what are the toughest games for Georgia? It's obviously the tandem of at Alabama and at Texas. Now, keep in mind this too. Uh, Georgia, this is one of those weird years in which in 2024, Thanksgiving is very late, which means there are more Saturdays prior to Thanksgiving, which creates the space for an additional bye week. This was also true for Georgia in 2019. If you'll remember, the week before Georgia played, what was it? Uh, Notre Dame in 2019 or Tennessee? I forget which one. Uh, no, it had been it'd been Notre Dame the week before playing that game uh Georgia was also while they had two bye weeks whatever one it was they had two bye weeks and so this is another one of those years in which Georgia will be off the week before it plays Alabama and off the week before it plays Florida because there's just enough Saturdays for two bye weeks here this year but nonetheless the two toughest games thought to be at Alabama and at Texas and then beyond that are you going to say neutral side against Clemson is your next toughest game maybe maybe that's the case we'll see but what's interesting here is is that if you were to ask a Georgia fan this year, hey, what was the toughest game that Georgia played? Well, by virtue of ranking of the time the game was played, it might have been Ole Miss. Well, now Ole Miss in 2024 is a road game, and that's arguably no better than Georgia's fourth toughest game this year. Broadly speaking, what might have been Georgia's toughest game in 2023 is only Georgia's fourth toughest game for this next upcoming season. And by the way, they'll do that on the road as opposed to at home. Same thing is true for Tennessee, which was and is a top 25 team here right now, was ranked number one at one point during the 2022 season, definitely Georgia's toughest 2022 opponent. And now for 2024, 
Tennessee's probably only Georgia's fifth toughest game, maybe. That gives you an idea in just very, very simple language. Georgia in 2024 is going to be playing a much, much tougher schedule. It's kind of the addendum that you have to put on every sentence because obviously we love the preseason around here. We love like the 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 getting ready for football time of year, the talking season type stuff. We love all that kind of stuff. And as we talk about what Georgia's going to be on the field, who the likely starters are going to be, who's in line for playing time, who's ready to step up and have a breakout season, all that stuff that we've done around here for years and we enjoy doing. The, the addendum to every one of those sentences of what Georgia will be in 2024, the addendum to every one of those sentences will be, it all matters more because Georgia is playing a much tougher schedule, arguably, than it's ever played before. I don't know that Georgia's ever had a more interesting schedule when you factor in Clemson non-conference plus the expanded SEC. And I don't know that it's ever been tougher. I'm sure there's some sort of metric that can measure this and perhaps tell me that I'm wrong. But just, you know, like just knee-jerk reaction, you know, 2008, it seemed like Georgia with the presence of Alabama and Florida and some of that sort of felt like Georgia was playing a pretty tough schedule. Um, This, to me, feels like the toughest regular season schedule I can remember Georgia playing. And when you think about what Georgia's going to be for the upcoming season, the, the really, really tough nature of this schedule is an important part of that conversation. But before we're done today, We're also going to compare that schedule to a few of the other schedules for like championship contending teams. We're going to show you why that Georgia's not really an outlier when it comes to playing a much tougher schedule in 2024. So we'll do that coming up. And for now, we'll make that around the doghouse presented today by our friends at ServPro. So the schedule for Georgia, a little bit of a mess for 2024, but perhaps for you, you've got a much bigger mess to clean up. Fire damage, water intrusion, something like that. That's where our friends from ServPro become a very important name for you to know because their restoration specialists can clean up your mess and put it back together like it never even happened, which if you're dealing with a situation like that, that is exactly what you want. The other good thing about ServPro is each and every franchise independently owned and operated. That means you're doing business with someone that that cares about the outcome. They have a vested interest in a positive solution for you, much the same way you do. That's why the restoration specialists of ServPro ought to be the ones you trust when you're looking at some sort of big mess to clean up, fire, water intrusion, something along those lines. ServPro's got you covered on all of that. So please find them online, ServPro.com. That is servepro.com. All right, there is a lot to talk about as it relates to the Georgia Bulldogs. We're going to do that coming up with Terrence Edwards. But in addition to that, we will celebrate with Terrence there as well because something he de- dedicates a large portion of his time to, uh, everything worked out very, very well for uh, Terrence last night, a state champion in Georgia high school football. We'll talk to him about that there as well as Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp rolls on right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So, Terrence, I'm sure I'm not the first one to congratulate you here, but I'll be maybe the first one to do it so publicly on a show like this. You were part of that coaching staff for the Milton Eagles. I watched this game last night with our friends over at GPB. Um, What a performance by Milton, a team that I don't know was on the radar for a lot of people to necessarily win the state championship, just given all the nationally ranked teams that were in Georgia this year. But kind of one by one, those teams went down the playoff. You guys kept advancing. And I would say most people probably viewed Walton to be the favorite in the game last night. But what a tremendous performance by Milton, Uh, obviously capping off a fun return for Georgia High School football to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What was it like to be on the sideline for that game last night? Man, yeah, it was 
it was a very uh, exciting uh, to be a part of the last team to win the state championship in 7A because we know 7A is going away. Uh, in Milton's history, we're, we are the winningest 7A program in 7A history. So it, it's a lot of uh, emotions and, and, and history made last night. And I'll uh... – We'll get back to Georgia after this. I just want to squeeze in one thing here in terms of what I saw. Obviously, Luke Nickel had a great game, and DeBron Gatling, a receiver that I know you've done a lot of good work with, he had a big game. But to me, the story of the game is what Milton, from a defensive back standpoint, guys going to Tennessee, Kansas, you know, some pretty impressive prospects, what they did to shut down a Walton passing attack that's just obviously been unstoppable all year long. How about that performance last night from your defense? Most definitely. I knew uh, Coach Willingham, our defensive coordinator, and his staff had a, a great plan. And, um, you know, your plan is only as good as your players executed. And the players went out, executed the game plan, and held a high-power offense to 21 points. Um, so our defense did a great job of, of holding Jerry uh, Halinski and crew under 200-yard passing, and no one has done that all season. So I mentioned nationally ranked teams losing along the way in the state playoffs. Obviously, one of those was Buford getting knocked out by a Grayson there in the state quarterfinals, and that was the final game perhaps in the state of Georgia ever, as it turns out, for a five-star quarterback, Dylan Riola, because the chatter here this week is is that Riola is on the verge of perhaps flipping his commitment from UGA to Nebraska, we would presume. Uh, a very big NIL deal may be awaiting him for why he would make such an unorthodox decision so late in the process. Terrence, what do you make of the news as it relates to Riola here right now? Uh, timing is uh, very weird to me. Uh, we all go back to his family legacy. His family legacy was still there six months ago when he committed to the Bulldogs. You know, his father was still a great Nebraska Cornhusk. His uncle is still an offensive line coach. So I don't know what changed from when he first committed to Georgia till now, and it's possibly NIL. And, I, you know, I have my thoughts on that. Um, but Georgia can provide you something that I don't think Nebraska can provide you right now. Um, one thing you do get is the opportunity to practice against a Kirby Smart defense week in, week out, and I think that's very valuable. I think that's a little bit more than – what money can offer. Uh, but, like I said on, on my Twitter, um, I congratulate the young man. Um, good luck with whatever decision you want to make. And whoever signs their letter to, to be a dog, that's what I'm going to root for. Yeah, I think that all makes a lot of sense. And look, Terrence, here's the way that I'll say this. Obviously, I've never been in the position to you know, make millions of dollars you know, potentially on something like this. So I would presume that if I got offered the big offer that we might allege that someone like Ryola might would have gotten, then I'm sure I would have potentially said, yeah, give me that too. But it's also fair to point out that if you make a decision like that so late in the process, I mean, he's about to go through Georgia practice. At least he's supposed to. He's supposed to be moving in. I've got roommates, things like that. You, you, you would think, you know, when you've got all this lined up, you've been a part of these text threads with the other commits. Apparently, we're led to believe that none of them knew what was going down here with all of this. You know, whether it's understandable why you would make a move like this, it's certainly not the kind of thing that's going to win you very many friends. And maybe this isn't show friends, it's show business. And maybe that's what all this is about. But, but there aren't going to be a lot of people who pat him on the back and say, hey, you know, go be great. You know, when you kind of turn your back, so to speak, on your current school as late in the process as it appears that Riola might be doing. 
Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, he's the, the headliner in this class. I'm sure he's the one that's kind of keeping the class together. I'm sure he's the one that's making all the, the calls and the text to future dogs and, like, let's go be great. You know, after the Alabama loss, I'm sure he's like, let's go and uh, redeem what what would just happen. So I'm sure he he hasn't made a lot of friends, and that's okay. Um, the young man has the opportunity to go and make his own decision, um, and I'm one to stand up for, for players, and that's his right to do. Um, on the other hand, we don't have to like it. Uh, we could be critical, but I'm not one to be disrespectful to the young man so and yeah. his family. So if if he wants to go be a Cornhusker like his father and his uncle, go ahead, go do that. It's your right. I'm just worried about the, the guys that, that wants to be a dog. I'm worried about uh, the other quarterback, Ryan, who's coming. I'm, I'm just worried about those guys instead of guys who decide not to be a dog because it ain't for everyone. Have you seen much of Ryan Puglisi up there in Connecticut? I know you watch a lot of film. Have you seen much of him? And I guess for those who perhaps haven't maybe seen as much as you have, how good do you think Ryan Puglisi could be at Georgia? Obviously, he's had you know fans throughout this entire process. There are a lot of people who watch a lot of you know film, like yourself included, who would say that Puglisi's, you know, a good prospect. Playing up there in Connecticut, a little bit difficult to know how that translates, but but there have been a lot of people who have liked what Ryan Puglisi has brought to the table, and he is certainly very committed to UGA. Yes, yes, he is. I've watched this film, and the first thing that jumps out at you is his, his arm talent. He's definitely on par with his arm talent. Um, haven't seen a lot, but I have seen a few clips of him, so I'm not worried. Uh, I mean, he definitely put me in the mind of his size, his athletic ability, and his arm strength are Carson Beck. Okay. So uh, with the development that we have, uh, if he go in and, and, un- and le- he can learn from Carson and, and Garner, and he may compete next year, and, and assuming Carson is coming back, um, he could compete next year with Garner for the starting spot. Speaking of Carson Beck, let's talk about that here for a moment because what I've said is the circumstantial evidence would lead you to believe that Beck is probably returning, but the longer this goes without like some sort of announcement of, yes, I really am, we're running it back here for 2024, the longer that goes, the more you're left to wonder, well, you know, maybe he's not coming back. Maybe he really is considering going to the NFL or looking to see what his options in the NFL might truly be. What do you make of the fact that it sort of seems like he's probably coming back uh, based on kind of some of the chatter that's out there, and yet it's still not you know completely resolved? It's still not completely kind of put to bed here? What do you make of the future of Beck in a Georgia uniform right now? I would love to see Carson come back next year. I think his graph grade may determine that or not, but if he has a, a first-round draft grade or second-round draft grade, I would definitely come back because of the NIL now. You could definitely make some money while you continue to develop your skill set, develop your leadership skills. And then next year, like I said earlier, I think him and Shadur Sanders will probably be the top two quarterbacks just off right the top of my head that will compete for you know the, the top quarterbacks next year. So he has a lot to play for, um, but I do understand if that opportunity is there. Um, he's he said he you know haven't started in four years, so if he could go and be one of those guys who could be a first round pick after one year, I wouldn't be mad at him either. So um, I hope he would come back. I would think if I had to bet my money, I would think that he would come back because he has some unfinished businesses. Yeah, so I, I think that's interesting. Obviously, it goes without saying that it would certainly serve my interest better if Beck would return. I'm totally acknowledging the fact that I'm not exactly a neutral observer here on this. Obviously, Beck coming back to Georgia would be a good thing for me. 
But beyond that, Terrence, I try to put myself in the position of being this guy in this situation. And, okay, if I go to the draft now, maybe I'm a second-round pick, and, you know, there are guys that get paid decent money coming out of the second round. Some of them go on to be NFL starters pretty quickly. But I could also have the potential of maybe falling to one of the mid-round situations where at that point in time, you kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes. And, and, you know, sometimes your career ends up not quite being what it could be. We've seen that happen with other Georgia quarterbacks, you know, in, in the past here. And so if I felt like I had a chance with one more year to maybe work my way up towards the front end of the first round, that's the kind of life-changing money that that would just sort of change everything for my family for generations. And at worst, maybe I'm still the sort of, you know, mid-round pick that I could have been in 2023. It seems like calculated risk, things like that, that coming back would probably make the most sense. Uh, is that, I mean, you were obviously a guy that's been in the NFL, so you kind of uh, know a little bit more about, you know, kind of what these deliberations are like. Does that make sense to you that the, the benefit for Beck returning probably does outweigh the risk of leaving right now? I think so. I think you just think about when I played, we didn't have this opportunity to make this kind of money that they're making. And we bet on the Lords of London insurance policies yeah. that, that covered us if we got hurt, uh, God forbid, we got hurt, and we wasn't able to fulfill the NFL dreams that we aspired to, those Lords of London insurance policies kind of covered us for lost wages. But now you really don't have to get those policies because now – like uh, Matt Ruth said, a good quarterback goes for a million, two million dollars in the transfer portal. So I'm sure uh, Georgia and Carson will be able to work out something. And this is the what NIL, in my opinion, uh, was intended for. Guys who prove themselves on the field, like Carson now, um, he's proved himself, so he deserves a little money in his pocket. And this would keep him at Georgia and continue to develop it. Instead of, oh, I need money, I'm going to go test the to waters and, and get drafted and try to earn money that way you can earn money in college and probably even more and being a starting quarterback instead of going and getting drafted and being a backup so the 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 it is different now the the thought process but i i would think that you know he would get some nil money and come back for another year uh one more thing on quarterbacks and i want to change the subject here what do you make of some of the chatter out there about the possibility that Georgia might be interested in Malik Murphy, the uh, Texas quarterback we saw start a couple of games this year and was good enough during the spring that he beat out Arch Manning for the number two spot there on the uh, Longhorns quarterback pecking order. you have much of a take on Murphy here at the moment? Uh, I don't. I haven't watched him enough. I, I know he's a very big, strong um, quarterback. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we're kicking down the door to get at depth or that's maybe a insurance policy that Carson may leave. But, you know, if Kirby's going to do his due diligence on every position, then I, I understand why he's going to kind of see if there's any interest. All right, so let me finish with this. There's also been some chatter out there as of late about a guy that took an official visit to Georgia this past weekend, the former Vanderbilt wide receiver, London Humphreys. And I'm be honest with you, Terrence, you know, I try to follow the league as close as I can. Humphreys was not really a guy that I realized was having as good a year for Vanderbilt as he was. Somewhere close to 500 yards receiving he was uh you know a freshman all sec i i, I kind of did something on like receiver numbers the other day there were only two receivers in the sec ranked in like the top 27 for receiving yards per game who were freshmen it's not a league which freshman receivers typically dominate and humphreys was really one of the two best freshman receivers probably in the entire league here for this year takes the visit to georgia there's some thought that that humphreys really might come to UGA it seems like Georgia's interested in him and maybe Humphreys is interested in Georgia 
have you seen Humphreys play? And if so, what do you think Georgia might be getting if another veteran league receiver, like we saw last year with Lovett and Rara, if Humphreys were to travel a similar path, what do you think Georgia might be getting there? I haven't watched him much, and like you, I didn't know much about him. Um, so I heard that he was possibly transferring and Georgia was kicking down the door. I went and looked and done my research on him, and um, one thing that I can say that he's an explosive athlete. Um, still has some development to do as a uh, per wide receiver, but he does have that 40-inch burger, as I've been told. Yeah. Uh, his broad jump is over 11. I mean, 10 cents clocked in 100. So he has that explosive trait that the Bulldogs is looking for. And, and um, I'm sure they saw him firsthand. You know, he scored against us, and he hit a little a slant, and he took it to the house. And yeah. you always need playmakers. Um, and you saw in the Alabama game, I think that one thing that we lacked was just some true guys that be able to put give me the ball or throw me the ball and Let's make some plays because Ladd was hurt. Brock was hurt. Um, Ra-Ra was hurt. He's the only one I think that can win one-on-one matchups. Um, so you always need more of those guys. And if B-Mac and crew think these guys can help us, then I believe in them as well. So let me finish then by saying, so you see Zed Haynes going to the transfer portal this week. You saw transfers come to UGA a year ago. Dominic Lovett, Ra-Ra Thomas, I like both those guys. Uh, you know, there's some talk that, you know, uh, even some of the you know guys, you know, Marcus Roseby Jackson could come back next year if he wanted to, I, I believe. Do you think this is kind of the future for Georgia where, hey, they're just going to reach and grab the most experienced receivers they can find for each year? You know, whether it be guys on the current roster coming back when they can or transfers that have played at kind of a high level and, you know, maybe the place for the younger developmental type guy in the transfer portal age, we may see less of that. Whatever Georgia did this year, for the most part, kind of worked. They scored a lot of points, and they were very successful through the air. But, you know, it seems like, you know, the developmental guys get a little restless, and you can find success with guys who played in this league, perhaps somewhere else. Do you think this is kind of the future for Georgia at this position right now? I think it's the future in college football that guys go into the portal and try and kind of pick and choose who they want to, to fill voids in their roster. And, Probably the receiver position right now is one of the position of boys that we need to address. Um, but I think you still got to go out and, and get the top high school guys, or at least recruit and offer the top high school guys. Like Jeremiah Smith out of Miami, he is the real deal. So you can't, you have to go out and recruit those type of guys. Um, but the, the point is, is a way to go in and find players that, that you have deficiency in in the positional positional. You have to go in and get those type of guys. And um, I don't know if if Georgia's going to co- continuously go into the portal, but once they have a position of need, I think they will. Terrence, great stuff. And once again, I'm so proud of you guys over there at Milton. Uh, what a fun team that was to watch this year. And really, after a start, you guys played a very tough schedule to begin the year, a couple of losses, and then to kind of bounce back and roll all the way through the state playoffs, won the championship last night, obviously capping off three great days of football there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Congratulations on that. I know you've got some bubble work coming up here in a, a few weeks, a couple of months really as the uh, new year begins, training the next group of great wide receivers all across our state. Uh, so for the folks who maybe want to get in touch with you via the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, how can they find you online? You can find me online on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy.
Terrence, I know it was a late night for you last night, so thanks for waking up and doing this with us this morning. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. I'm on about two hours sleep right now. <laughs> so it was definitely a late night. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate it, Terrence. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Two hours sleep, he said. Well, listen, he still did a great job. Really good insight. Sharp stuff there. We always love having Terrence as a part of our program. And uh, we're going to get rolling right now. Cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. You know, I mentioned coming up in the new year, a lot of fun stuff to think about. For me, perhaps nothing more fun than January of 2024. Really only a few weeks away from this now. On board Icon of the Seas, the largest cruise ship ever constructed. It's in the Port of Miami. It's ready to go, and I'm ready to be a part of it. Get my winter tan going. Big fan of the winter tan. Really want to get tan for the winter. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to being on Icon of the Seas, going down to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, and enjoying all the stuff on a cruise ship like this that kind of reimagines the cruise vacation with like the largest water park at sea, almost like a beach resort at sea. It's almost like a city at sea when you think about all the special neighborhoods there as well. All of these things kind of combined into one cruise ship. Uh, I think you ought to try to experience it for yourself there as well. Jessica Slater can help you out with that. Give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. That's her email. She'll tell you all about Icon of the Seas coming up January of 2024 and then all throughout the new year. A lot of really fun stuff coming from Royal Caribbean. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here right now. And I mentioned this to our video audience a little earlier. There is a lot going on around the SEC at the moment. And so we're going to try to cover as much of this as we can. And then at some at some point, we're going to kind of give you a much sort of larger, wider range view of how the schedule impacts each of these teams, where they land with Transport Portal, what happens after recruiting. We obviously do a lot of that early calendar year, and that's going to be a big need for us here in January coming up there as well. So we're going to cover a lot of that ground here coming up in uh, just a uh, little bit, or I should say, you know, in the, in the next few weeks. So we're trying to get all the news that's out there, but it's coming fast and furious. We're doing the best we can on all of this on a daily basis. I will tell you a story, though, that I find to be pretty interesting. Now, this doesn't exactly relate to the SEC, but to me, this is one of those kind of tells this is one of those uh i think representative stories that gives you an idea of where things are going in college football to me one of the most interesting players in the transfer portal right now is the former washington state quarterback cam ward i find ward to be an interesting name for a couple of reasons here reason number one i think most of the scouts will tell you of all the available quarterbacks currently in the transfer portal ward is thought to be the best and brightest prospect best NFL future, the most likely to kind of change the fortunes of the new team that he plays for. Ward is sort of thought to be the best quarterback transfer prospect available. And concurrent to that, and perhaps because of that, if you follow like some of the rumor mill chatter and just the people who supposedly know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, the thing that you hear about Ward is he is also the most interested in cashing in on his worth that apparently Ward is quite aware of the fact that scouts think he's so good, and so therefore Ward is not leaving the Palouse, Wazoo, for anything less than as large an NIL deal as he could possibly get, which I would say makes where he ultimately lands pretty interesting because the one thing we're all trying to figure out right now is what is real and what is not when it comes to these NIL deals. 
we obviously all know and understand that big time quarterbacks can command big time dollars but specifically what does that mean the other day we heard matt rule the nebraska coach saying oh a free agent quarterback commands 1 million 1.5 million or even 2 million dollars on the open market and it certainly stands to reason that the best quarterbacks could possibly get that but rule would lead you to believe that any quarterback on the open market is essentially cashing in for some sort of seven-figure deal people who are smarter than me have wondered is that really true could that possibly be the case well the ward situation i believe gives us a little bit of an indication about kind of how true that might be let me explain to you why who is the one school that is sort of known to be consistently and continually the most aggressive in the nil space i would say that's miami john ruiz their main booster has been pretty open and he's really one of the only guys on kind of the supply side of the uh, nil world who is talking openly about what he's spending he's been pretty open about that and they've done that over the course of multiple years we've seen some teams be big nil one year and not quite so big the other miami and kind of the nil age we've been in they've been consistently pretty aggressive across that entire span of time ruiz pretty open about his willingness to spend and right now there are a lot of rumors out there that ward might go to miami this is a relatively new phenomenon because at one point in time you heard the notion of what about cam ward going to a place like ohio state now, there's it's also reported that ward's going to take a visit to florida state but putting that aside here for a moment think about ohio state's history with quarterbacks it's justin fields it's 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 uh cj stroud it's a lot of guys who you know became heisman level players first round pick level players and this past year kyle mccord was not that level of quarterback and so ohio state made it pretty clear they were looking to move on from kyle mccord in fact mccord's leaving the program he may be going to syracuse at one point in time is rumored to maybe go to nebraska seems like now that might not be the case but it's pretty obvious that ohio state wants better quarterback play uh than it had a year ago with kyle mccord and wants to get back to being what cj stroud was and what justin fields was and what quarterbacks prior to that had been but it's also seemingly true that if you follow the rumor mill and the chatter and things like that that ohio state's pursuit of cam ward is not quite getting off the ground here best quarterback available best program that needs quarterback and yet somehow ward and ohio state can't come together and it seems like the new leader for ward at one point in time thought to be the buckeyes now maybe it's miami the program that is the most willing to spend for nil now let me tell you what i take from this and perhaps your read on this would be different for a quarterback we're led to believe wants as much nil money as he can get thus far even though he's the best quarterback prospect available on the open market we're led to believe the other programs in pursuit of a top tier quarterback prospect are not quite willing to match the money that we think miami might be willing to put up here and that would lead me to believe that some of the more exaggerated uh, exclamations about the kind of nil money available to players if ward is only going to miami the school that we know pays a lot of money and not going to a place like ohio state because presumably ohio state either wouldn't or couldn't match that financial figure then i think you're led to believe that some of what we're hearing about nil has been exaggerated to a degree that's why i think the cam ward story and where he eventually lands is probably pretty interesting we obviously know big time quarterbacks get, get big time dollars but exactly what kind of sum of money guaranteed are we talking about here I think the Ward decision could give you a little bit of an idea of just how aggressive the bidding war truly is for the top quarterbacks. Let's watch that. Now, another topic for a moment. 
And I'm going to do my best to kind of make this as like easy to understand as it can possibly get. Because the moment I bring up court case, some of you, your you know, eyes kind of roll back in the back of your head and you kind of gloss over and you go to sleep. And I totally get that. But something happened in college athletics yesterday. And one of the most important figures, the University of Georgia, has spoken out about it. And I think this really matters for all of us who truly care about college athletics. And I do think you should pay attention to it. I'm going to try to, in sort of succinct fashion, sort of explain why. Let me begin by making an analogy. Here's the analogy I would make. Do you follow golf? I do. I like golf. And one of the big stories in golf right now is the idea that the main like governing bodies of the sport are pursuing what they call a rollback, taking the golf ball and making the golf ball travel not quite as far in the future as it has in the past as a way of making the sport, as they like to say, more sustainable. They believe that the best golfers hit the ball too far, and therefore golf courses are having to get bigger and bigger and bigger to match that, and they want the golf ball to roll back so that the golf courses don't have to get quite so big anymore to kind of keep pace with all of this. And what's funny is, and this is where it kind of relates to college athletics, almost nobody's in favor of this. If you care about golf, you probably know this. There's a small pocket of, you know, sort of, you know, people on the internet who seem to like this, but large constituencies broadly speaking no one's in favor of this the pga tour golfers don't want this the average weekend warrior style golfer doesn't want this the apparel the the equipment manufacturers they don't want this it's one of those things that it's undeniably moving towards happening and yet almost nobody really wants it to occur and so if you follow golf you're like how could this be the case? How could something so unpopular have such runaway train style momentum? And I think it's a question worth asking, perhaps in a show other than this one. But here is how this relates to college athletics. Yesterday, there was a court ruling that essentially opened the door for no possible bans on one-time transfers. Like right now, if you're a college athlete, you get one free transfer. You can transfer if you're a grad uh, uh, transfer. And other than that, you're supposed to sit sit still. You're supposed to stay put. Well, someone has challenged this in court, and this kind of impacts college basketball right now because there's some basketball players waiting to get their, uh, you know, they've appealed their transfer and they're waiting to hear about their status. And apparently now they can play, but also the smart legal people will tell you this opens the door for nobody to ever have a transfer restricted ever again perhaps future court rulings will move in that direction and all of a sudden no one can put a rule over who can and can't transfer and when they can or cannot transfer and for the life of me I don't know what we are doing those of us who care about college sports and here's the part that I would say makes me a little bit careful in my language on this it's very easy in a discussion like this to come across like the old man on the porch who just doesn't like change and can't believe that this ain't the college sports that I grew up with or this isn't my daddy's college sports or something like that. I do get how quickly stuff like this sort of sounds that way. And as a counter to that, I'll tell you, is that thus far the two big changes we've seen in terms of the way in which programs relate to athletes in recent years have actually not been quite so bad as of yet. The current iteration of the transfer portal is sort of frustrating, but it's not really changing things all that much. It's different, but it's not worse I would say that NIL thus far, it's certainly a, a different conversation we've had in the past. But listen, recruiting was already cutthroat. You know, who does and doesn't make it onto a roster? That was already pretty intense behind the scenes. And there was sort of a private conversation happening around some of that kind of stuff. It's probably different than the public conversation as it was anyway. That thus far, the big changes that we've had to endure, I don't think have changed anything 
all that much for the worse as of yet. But if we're really running into a world now where there's no restrictions on anybody transferring, can they just transfer during the season? Can they transfer from week to week? Can they just transfer four times over the course of a college career? Like, to me, you are only a sport to the extent that you have rules. That's what makes a game a game, a sport a sport. There have to be some rules in place. And if you don't have rules or if you can't enforce rules, then to me it's almost like you're not even a sport there at that point in time. And Jerry Moorhead, the uh, obviously University of Georgia president, who also serves on like the chairman of one of these like, NCAA boards, is obviously against this. His quote to uh, Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger, the reporter, says, we want every student athlete to earn a degree as part of their college experience. Our rules have to be focused on that important objective. I think there are legitimate academic reasons to not have student-athletes engaged in multiple transfers. It does not achieve our goal in having student-athletes graduate from institutions. Uh, Jerry Moorhead telling Yahoo Sports, we've lost our way a bit here. That quote coming from the University of Georgia president. Now, let me say one more thing about this, and then we're going to move on. The area in which we're obviously moving towards is, well, if you want to restrict their transfers, you've got to collectively bargain with them. And if you want to, like, limit their NIL money, then you've got to collectively bargain with them. And if you want to do this, you want to do that, you've got to declare them as employees, and you've got to collectively bargain with them. My honest and sincere question about that would be, is that really going to be a change for the better? Because I'll tell you this. We talked to Terrence Edwards about high school football a moment ago. And I talk to high school coaches all the time. Here's what I can tell you. Kids aren't getting scholarship offers the same way they used to anymore. In fact, there are a lot of very smart coaches who are telling their players, if you want to ensure your chance to play college football, make sure you have good grades. That way you can go to an in-state school here in Georgia. You can get like the Hope Scholarship or the Zell Miller Scholarship because now college football players, prospective college football players, are encountering a future when they're trying to figure out how they're going to pay for their college. That's where we are right now because – a lot of the major programs only take transfers. They don't take kids out of high school. Therefore, there are fewer scholarship opportunities going around for players coming out of high school. Now, the weird irony to me on all of this is at one point in time, some people kind of looked at the landscape around college athletics and said, a scholarship isn't enough compensation for what college athletes provide their university. And now we're looking at a situation in 2024 where prospective college football players are trying to figure out how they're going to pay for college because many of them who in previous eras would have gotten scholarships now realize there are no scholarships to be had. Those are solely going to transfer players. And when you classify these future athletes as employees, if that's what's going to happen in the major college football level, how do the other college sports survive? Because football pays for all of that. And we're led to believe if these players become employees, they're not going to be employees of the Athletic Association. You couldn't do that with Title IX. Uh, you're going to have to make them employees of the conference or some other third-party entity. And all of a sudden now, the other college sports, sports that I love, basketball, baseball, gymnastics, things like that, they're going to be left to fend for themselves. And perhaps there are now fewer opportunities for other college athletes in a world in which college football players are treated like employees and negotiated with like they're employees. Like, is that a change for the better? Like, who really wants this? I know that public opinion seemingly has evolved on this. Last couple of decades, public opinion, especially among, like, highly educated people, uh, has kind of moved in the direction of, oh, this isn't amateurism, it's shamateurism. You've heard that said before. 
But do you really know many people in like real life who feel that way? Do you talk to very many prospective college football players who think, oh, this is such a sham. I don't want to be a part of it. No, most of them are dying to be, at least the ones that I've talked to, are dying to be uh, a part of the college athletics system in some even in a sport like baseball where you don't even get your school paid for there are still people dying to be what they call you know d1 prospect there is still a lot of desire to be a part of this system do we really want to bring this system to an end because this is the direction we're heading here right now now what does that mean for the sport we love to watch on tv college football i don't know but the athletic system overall seems to be moving to a very weird place it's worth paying attention to one more thing to give you here so we talked earlier about the Georgia SEC schedule and what certainly looks like a much tougher schedule for Georgia. Now, here's what I don't have time to do right now. I don't have time to give you every single SEC schedule and who's playing who and who's playing what. But I try to look at a small handful of those in terms of what the future years are going to look like. And here's what I'm going to tell you is that Georgia is not treated excessively harshly because it's got to go to Alabama and got to go to Texas and it's playing Clemson on a neutral side that I would say broadly speaking the very best teams in college football are all going to get used to playing much tougher schedules for instance you know Florida's not very good right now but it's Georgia's you know most hated SEC rival of course in addition to playing a much tougher SEC they're also playing Miami Florida State and UCF next year all three of the other power five teams within the state of Florida the SEC schedule for them also gets much tougher there too I looked at Michigan's schedule for instance this is a team that you know if you kind of would say okay who's a national program on par with georgia and the expanded big 10 next year michigan also plays texas as a non-conference game plays usc at home they're at washington they have to play oregon and obviously they also have to play at ohio state next year there as well that's a team that also is playing a much tougher schedule in the expanded big 10 you know alabama's playing a tougher schedule too they're playing wisconsin as a non-conference game on the road they're uh, taking care of uh you know a much tougher sec schedule the ohio state schedule is probably not quite as tough as you might think it would be but this is going to be true broadly speaking across all of college football in the future that georgia and the other national championship contenders are all going to be playing much tougher schedules and the idea of who wins a national championship in the college football playoff era we've not seen a two-loss team do that we haven't even seen a two-loss team make the playoff next year the very best teams in the country may in many cases have two losses so brand new era for the sport and when it comes to scheduling that is indeed going to be the case let me give a shout out here to our friends at mr electric before we get ready to wrap up today's program obviously dog nation's choice for residential and commercial uh electric needs here uh they've been in business nearly 30 years doing great repair work installations and lighting work that kind of keeps in mind the electrical safety stuff that you need to be aware of and obviously their own uh, technicians are aware of there too they've also got a team of licensed experts and insured electricians that are upfront with some flat rate pricing, which is clearly something very important when you're kind of making a decision about hiring a company like this. So whether it's 24-hour emergency service that you need or you just need a simple quote, our friends at Mr. Electric have got you covered on all of that. So please find them online. It's MrElectricAtlanta.com. That's MrElectricAtlanta.com. And as we wrap up here today, obviously we're kind of still looking back on what has been an amazing run for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now we're all disappointed that it came to an end and the SEC championship, a 29-game winning streak was halted. But nonetheless, when you think back on these last, you know, almost three full seasons, two national championships, and 29 straight wins, the longest winning streak in SEC history, there is clearly a lot to be thankful of and a lot to celebrate. And 
our golden shoe today keeps that in mind our buddy Bubba writes in to say they're in Athens at Sanford Stadium first of all I always love the view of the stadium from the bridge I always try to look in on that as I'm walking out of the uh, bookstore after a post-game show each and every uh, home game. And a nice look there from him during the uh, week here. Bubba saying, I came by to Sanford Stadium to say thank you for the last 30 games. What a great ride. Always a dog. And he tags me on that hashtag, or I should say tags Dog Nation Daily. So, Bubba, that's well said. A lot to be thankful for and a lot to celebrate. And we'll give you a golden shoe for that very reason. Really good stuff, Bubba. We appreciate that. And how about the lousy stinking Gators? 1,132 days since they've beaten Georgia. That's another thing for us to appreciate and be glad for. Uh, That is our Gator Hater Updater. And we'll see all of you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp.